You know, you might find yourself today in a situation, or you've been already in a situation, it's regarding your health or relationship, you know, and you know what? God knows. He knows. He is working on it. And you might think, oh gosh, it takes a long time for God to work it out. But God is working on it. God is able. And so um, we're starting our series with Christmas at Elam. And so the heading of today is uh, behind the scenes. Because we have a God who works behind the scenes. You might not always see what God is doing, but God is always at work. And there's always a, a work on behalf of you, behalf of a family, behalf of a nation, behalf of the nations of the world. God is working behind the scenes. You know, you see all these beautiful products here, and you see those beautiful boxes here. If you were not here yesterday, uh, it was chaos in here yesterday with lots of people. There were more than 100 volunteers yesterday helping to get all these boxes filled. But you know what? Behind the scenes, there is a lot more work before it actually happens in here. And when the people receive a box and they say thank you um, because they need to be a blessing or they need to have this beautiful box to give to them to make a difference. But there is a lot of work behind the scenes. And today I want to honor Lois McGregor, who's from our church. She's one of our elders. And she does tirelessly all year. She works behind the scenes to make that happen, those beautiful boxes that you see here in our foyer. Because nothing happens with all the work behind the scenes. And you think, if you are a mother, you know what that means. Because we always work behind the scenes. So it's, it's, it's nearly Christmas. Um, in some traditional churches, they call this season Advent. That means it's, it's coming. Christmas is coming. And we are preparing for this coming. And I don't know how you prepare for your Christmas, um, but the first Christmas had, uh, had a long way of coming, and, um, and we'll hear about that in a minute. But however you celebrate Christmas with food, or with family, or with presents, or trees, or gifts, uh, candles, lights, uh, however you celebrate Christmas, and it's all very, very good, and it's all, because we all have traditions. But actually, Christmas is about Jesus. We just need to get it right, because we all got sucked in, um, because after Labor Weekend, we find ourselves that all the Christmas stuff is in there, and you think, oh no, not yet, we can't just do Christmas yet, because also the commercial world is uh, participating what is coming, and they are preparing us in such a way that we are starting to buy things uh, for Christmas, and so it is really sometimes trying for all of us to keep Christmas, Christmas, because it is actually about the birth of Jesus. Um, so we talked about the, the birth of Jesus, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, but we also need to recognize the birth of Christ in our own lives, because uh, that is the most precious gift that his God has prepared for us. And then we're looking forward to Jesus coming again. So the, uh, the anticipation of Jesus coming in, that is also very exciting. I'm very aware that this, with Christmas, uh, obviously children and 
some of us get very excited or have a great anticipation of Christmas coming, and there's an excitement. But for others, it might not mean that the anticipation of Christmas coming, that might mean sadness for them, or it might mean stress for them, or it might mean that they have a lot of worries. And although anticipation is good, but it can go either way. And I think, you know, sometimes we can be so full of our own Christmas, our family, and gifts, and this, and that, and what we eat, but also be aware of those. Uh, for them, Christmas is not as joyful. It's not because of Christ, but because of what they have been through at Christmas, or the, the people who they loved are not there anymore. And so there is an anticipation of what is coming. It can bring a lot of joy, but it can also bring a lot of stress and worry or sorrow. Anyway, we are the people in between, the generations in between. So we're looking back at the birth of Jesus there, and we can look at it because we, it has been. And here we are today, we are the people of today, and, but, but we are still waiting for the anticipation of Christ to come. So we are the people of today. I'll call it the sandwich people. Uh, anyway. So historians say that the birth of Jesus occurred, occurred about six or five years before Christ. And about, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus was born in the fullness of time. You can read that in Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5. In the fullness of time, which means Jesus was born at the right time. That was the perfect time for Jesus to be born. Same for you. Same for me. Because we were all born for such a time like this. And I thank God sometimes that I was not born in the second century or the fourth or something like that. Because sometimes I uh, watch a movie and think, oh, I say to Yalta, I'm so glad we not be born in that time. I don't know if I would cope. Because we are born for this time. And Jesus' birth took place in time of history that God chose. And he had promised humanity a savior right from the beginning, but everything fell apart in the beginning with Adam and Eve. You can read that in Genesis 3 verse 15. Already God set in place, although there was a huge fall and sin came in it and all went to custard, but God already promised that one day he will bring a savior. And prepare humanity or prepare the generations to, for Jesus to come. The prophet Isaiah, therefore 700 years before Christ, I mean, he said, okay, but 700 years, people, 700 years, that is a long time of waiting, of hearing something again from God. And um, about the anticipation what was to come. So here is what it reads in Isaiah 9 for 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so that was the journey of the people of the Old Testament, living in hope, living in anticipation. When will this Jesus, or when will the Savior, the Messiah, when will he come? And you imagine they didn't have... Facebook or anything or uh, books, uh, all this 
what they carried of the anticipation of the Messiah to come went from generation to generation to generation to tell the story. And so that the story would not get lost of what was to come. And it is powerful that they kept it going. they believing for the Messiah to come one day. So, have you ever thought what an amazing thing it is that God ordained beforehand that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem? You know, God in his grace, he works behind the scenes and let a long time before, let him already know where um, Jesus would be born. So we can read in Micah 5 verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, for though you are small among the clans of Judah, but out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, and who origin are from old and from ancient time. What does that mean? Well, even though Jesus was, came into the world as, uh, as a baby, but it didn't mean that was his first arrival, Okay because Jesus already existed long before that. He has always been there. But this time he came in a human form. He became flesh, and he came among us. It says, Emmanuel, God is with us. And so from ancient time. And are you amazed? Sometimes we just need need to think and not just think, oh, yeah. Sometimes we just have to think about these things. As Mary did, she pondered about these things. It says, God ordained that the time came that the Messiah, you know, Mary, and their father were not living in Bethlehem, but they're living in Nazareth. And that in order to fulfill his word, the prophecy, two insignificant people, really, at those days, they had no idea uh, that Mary, what was Mary was carrying. They know she was pregnant, that was obvious. But I had no idea who, who she was carrying. Two little people. But the first Christmas, God put it in Augustus Caesar in his mind to have a census for all the Roman Empire. And you think, so they should be enrolled in each town. So Mary and Joseph went. We don't hear about their families, but obviously they were also going that way but they were traveling by themselves. So it looks like that God is working all things together in a way that we take sometimes for granted. And so the decree went out to the entire world in order to move two people, two people, insignificant people, just two, so that they would move 70 miles so that a prophecy that was told maybe 700 years ago would be fulfilled by God. You know, we sometimes think that all the economic people, you know, the bigwigs and all the people in government and all of that, all the people who are so worried about environment, and I'm not saying I'm not, but, you know, there are some big voices in the world at the moment. And, they, and with big achievements, you know, it's, if you look at the news, it's all about <clears throat> that. And sometimes that makes you feel like insignificant or unimportant because in the scheme of big things, we are just ordinary people. 
aren't we? We are just two ordinary people. But unknown to them, to all the powers of the world, who think they've got all the say and all the power, they are guided by our God. That is, guided by our God. It might not look like it, and we might think that God could do better or different, but everything is guided by our God. He is a God of behind the scenes. And so Mary and Joseph, they had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy. It was not far. We've been there. We've been in both of those towns. And it's not far. We went by bus. We didn't walk, so it was not far. But do you think that because we experience adversary or we experience difficulty, and we all do, because in this, in this life you all have trouble, okay? That is a promise. That's what Jesus said. But in, in all what we go through, do you think that God's hands is too short to help us? Do you think that God is, does know what is going on? Do you think that God is after fame and, and all these political powers if he's after that? Our God is after a relationship with you and me. And if you have a relationship with, with Jesus, God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, bless you. If you are not today, if you're not quite sure that you know this Jesus we've been talking about, and, and you haven't, you're still in the valley of decision-making, well, hopefully today is your day of salvation to choose for Jesus. Because God is not after fame or anything or big achievement. God is, uh, wants a relationship with us. Because as Mary said, you know, I don't know, she had a shock of her life that she would be pregnant and she wasn't married. Uh, if we just think of it, it, was, it would be a shock to any of us, for us women too. And they will probably think we will, will be crazy or mental. But she believed in God, and it said that nothing is impossible with God. And I would encourage you, whatever you are facing in your life, whatever you are going through, that you are also to say that nothing is impossible with God. We experienced it this year with our family, that our son-in-law was on death door so many times and many days, in coma, and it did look very bleak. It would look that he wouldn't make it. And well, I, I think an army of people here and all over New Zealand believing that nothing is impossible for God to bring healing to this young man. And God granted our request. He did because nothing is impossible with God. So he is a big God for ordinary people like you and me. And we have a great cause to rejoice and unbeknownst to us, all the kings and presidents and whatnot, they all have big names and they think they got the power. But our Father in heaven is the all-knowing and the all-powerful God who is able to move anything. And that asked me the question, you know, who's the king of your life? Who's the king of your heart? Who is the song in your heart when you are going to difficulty, do you go to any other song but choose a worship? Jesus loves me, this I know. 
Because the Bible tells me so. Who is the fountain where you drink from? You know, who is the mountain where you run to? You know, because God is always there. He is. So here we come in Luke and in Matthew, and we tell about it. You know, obviously Jesus is born, and, and he makes his news known to the shepherds in the field. You must realize these are the, the lowest of the lowest of the lowest you can get. And God shows them that they had first priority to actually to see Jesus. So they were the first. And they were the first to worship him. They were the lowest. They were in non, non-significant, just nothing in people's eyes. But in God's eyes, they were, the, they were the perfect people for that time to hear the first time the news. And what about those foreigners in the East who saw a star and, you know, they obviously studied the, the stars and whatnot. You know, they were foreigners. They were Gentiles. They saw a star. How come the Jews didn't see the star? They should have known that Jesus was about to arrive. Did they not look at the stars? But it was those foreigners, those unclean Gentiles, they magicians, you know, not those kind of people we want to hang out with. It just shows that God is for everyone. He is not just for the rich and the powerful, but he is for those who are, just have ordinary lives. He is a God for all nations, not only for the Jews, but for all nations of the world. And it was those two groups of people that worshipped Jesus. You know, over and over, the Bible just amazes me when I, I keep reading it. And sometimes they are so familiar, the stories. But if you keep reading it, you'll be surprised how more revelation God can give you. It baffles me sometimes. You know, there are billions of stars in the galaxy, billions. But at at that time, there was one star that would stood out. I don't know if it was shining brighter or have no idea. The star has no name, but some people who actually study those things, they recognize that they saw a star and they knew a king was born of the Jews. Some foreigners, some unclean people, And so they followed the star. How, how, I don't know. How did that happen? I have no idea because I have no idea about the things and stars and galaxies and anything like that. But if you can read it in Matthew, and I'm going to read it for you. After Jesus was born, which is in Matthew 2, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi of the people from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. It obviously was his star. And we have to come to worship him. Obviously, nobody was aware of it. King Herod had to get some other people to find out what was actually happening, and it was obviously very threatening to him. So, 
Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. So after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them. I don't know if the star moved so quickly. But. And until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And they worshipped him. Amazing, isn't it? It is just amazing. You know what? The star was, didn't fell all away because the star was actually in the stable. And that was Jesus. He was the star to be worshipped. They didn't worship the star in the sky. They worshipped the star, which was Christ himself. And they worshipped him. Amazing. How did that happen? I have no idea. Some people are into have curious mind and they want to exactly know how it happened and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But sometimes we just have to believe that God is far bigger than us, that God's ways are so much higher than our ways, and God is able to move the universe and stars and anything. He can move people. He can order governments around. He can. And that shows us how, how big our God is and that our God is not just for the people of Israel, that our God is for everyone on earth. And then it says, you know, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever who believed in him shall not die but have eternal life. That is our God. That's how he is. So what is a, what is a life without Christ? It's nearly pointless, isn't it? What is Christmas without Christ? I know the world celebrates Christmas big time with food, and they think, you know, it's about family, and it's about food, and more family, and it's all good, but it's actually not the truth. Christmas is actually about Christ, and we are about to worship him. You know, because if we don't have Christ in our lives, our, our, our lives are going to be very empty. It's going to be very dark. And we, on slippery slopes and on difficult times, we might not see a way out. But as God has guided foreigners, and God has guided shepherds, as God has guided governments like uh, Julius Caesar of Rome, you know, God can guide you in your situation. You know, God's hand is not too short. God is a God who works for you behind the scenes. And you think, well, I can't see it. No, that's exactly right. You can't see it. Because God works behind the scenes to make it work for you in such a way that the plans and purposes of God are going to be fulfilled. I love how God works. That is God's design. He is powerful. He's all-powerful, it says. He's all-knowing, it says. And he is all-present. That's what it says. Why? So that we would worship the Son, Jesus. This is God's will for everybody because he doesn't want anyone to perish. Not anybody. He wants to, uh, everybody to receive Jesus. It said, for those who received and believed in him, 
they become the children of God. What, what a, a privilege. What an honor to be called a child of God. And he wants that for everybody, for the people who are at your office or at your work or in your family or, or, or people that you know. I mean, I work, I work at a school and I take every opportunity seriously because in, in Matthew, in the early Gospels, they came and they saw. But at the end of the, the Gospels, we know it has quite changed. It is go and tell. And we are the go and tell people. We are the generation of go and tell. If you have received Christ for yourself and have this honor to carry Christ with you every day, every moment, day and night, you need to go and tell about the goodness and the greatness of our God, that he is the Savior and that he is coming back, that he died for you. You know, we all got people in our world that need to know Jesus. We have. We're praying for them every day. If it's for our children, our grandchildren, for our family, for our people that we know. But we need to go and tell about Jesus who is the Savior of the world. So then I'm thinking, are you anticipating for God to bring an answer to you? Are you anticipating that God will bring healing to you? Are you anticipating that that relationship that is a bit manky and all of that, that God is able to restore it? Are you anticipating the God who's in you that he's more than able to help you? It says in Ephesians 3 verse 20, God is able to do so far more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he does everything by his power, which is working in you, in us. That's the, that's the Christ in us. I think, you know, looking forward to this Christmas, and I do, but I'm very much aware that I need to make more room for Jesus in my life. And my, my, my room sometimes is a bit cluttered. You know, sometimes you do decluttering, you know, to give away stuff and, you know, make more room in your home. But sometimes we need to make more room in our hearts to receive more of Christ in our lives and to be refreshed constantly by his spirit. I encourage you, make more room for Christ. He deserves all the honor to be in your home and to, and to have a, more, a greater place in your, in your place, in your house. One of these days. I don't know the hour and I don't know the day because only Father God knows. But one day soon, there will be lightning filling all the sky. All the sky. We don't need Facebook or any news, CB or whatever, not any news, because all will see when uh, the Son of Man comes down with all the angels and fire, it will be uh, scary. It will be such an excitement that the day has finally arrived that Jesus is coming back. And the word says that every knee shall bow. 
Every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. What a day that will be. That will be the anticipation. I think the earth is groaning. And the people of, the people of God, we are expecting. And we have to be patiently waiting for that day to come. Maybe your day comes before that, and God will receive you in his, in his home, where there's many rooms. But maybe we are the generation that will see this beautiful thing that's going to happen, that all will see that Jesus is coming. And you, you might have excitement, but I think we all will tremble too, because he is Christ to be worshipped. Wow. So we are here. It's easy to look in hindsight. You know how it all happened when Jesus was born. We can, we can put all the dots together. We know that Jesus is coming back, but we don't know when. We know how, but we don't know when. But in the meantime, we are the people to go and tell people about Jesus. That there is a Savior and His name is Jesus. And He wants you to come home. He wants to have a relationship with you. So if you are here today and you haven't received Christ for yourself, this is a good day to receive Christ for yourself by asking him to come into your life, to ask him to forgive you for all the things that were wrong and what God called sin, and ask you for forgiveness of sin and to make Jesus the king of your, of your heart. Is that you today? You can just quietly doing it where you are sitting. But there is nothing more important or nothing more valuable or precious or, or so exciting when we receive Christ for ourselves. And then God can work behind the scenes all the plans and purposes for your life. But in the meantime, we need to go and tell about the good news that Jesus Christ is born and he will come again. Amen.